the Samsung Neo QLED 8K TV featuring incredible color volume with 8K AI upscaling powered by 20 neural networks on an impossibly slim screen is the kind of TV that's so visually astounding, so unfathomably well-designed, it has to be seen to be believed. Don't believe me? Well, okay then. Radio has its limits. Samsung Neo QLED 8K. Unreasonably good. Welcome to Speak Free with Matty G, the podcast that celebrates free speech, truth, and open discussion. Hello and welcome to Speak Free with Matty G, episode 22, but uh, the number two of our Vote Free specials. Um, I, was, I had Nicole on, uh, Nicole Evans from the United Australia Party um, for the last episode. Um, and today I'm joined by Sarah Richards, uh, Liberal Party candidate for the Macquarie electorate. Thank you for having me. Exciting to yeah. be here. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I know how busy you are at, at this time. Um, obviously, it's crazy. It's, it's crazy busy. Crazy, yeah. but in a good way. So we're less than, we're filming on Sunday here. So this will come out on uh, Tuesday on Spotify if you're listening to it or if you're watching it on YouTube, it's Thursday because um, of a little band. But anyway, <laughs> uh, we won't get into that. But um, but I guess it's, you know, it's less than a week away now. Less than a week, six days. I mean, we will be sitting here this time next week. Well, result. well, with the result, or maybe not, depending yeah. on last time, but we will have some sort of a way on how we're going. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, last time um, we all, well, <clears throat> people of that were 18 or above in 2019 remember it as a crazy election. Yeah, in the it was. Electorate. Yeah. Um, the most marginal seat in the That's country. That's what it has now become, yeah, yeah. 0.2%. Yeah. And um, and I guess, do you, do you expect it to go a similar way this year? Look, there is the expectation that it may be just as tight, although my personal hope would be it's not, uh, because since the last election, I've obviously worked extremely hard over the last three years to prove to the community that uh, I deserve their support. And so I hope that they've seen that throughout what the community has been through, fires, floods, COVID, all those sorts of things. Uh, not only have I worked hard but uh, brought a range of initiatives into the community that I hope have really had a positive impact. And, you know, I, you put yourself forward for these kind of things. You never know how it's going to go, but, of course, you want to know that your community backs you. Yeah, um, 100%. And I think, you know, no one can doubt, no matter what type of politics you're on, I don't, I don't think anyone can doubt how hard you work. Thank you. Um, and, you know, we don't agree on everything, but we get <laughs> along really well. Um, and I think everyone can see, well, apart from the people who are one-eyed, you know. Yeah, there's a few of those around. Yeah. They're not afraid to say it. And yeah. that's fine. Like, people are allowed to express their political opinion. What I would hope moving forward is that people learn to express it in a polite and kind way. There's there's nothing better than a robust policy discussion, uh, but when it gets personal and when it gets nasty, I've just had enough of that and there's way too much of this in this community. And you think, oh, as a representative, maybe I shouldn't say that. Uh, yeah, you can. Like you can call out people for being, you know, just really unprofessional and have bad behaviour. You're allowed to call that out and people need to pick up their standards. Yeah. And um, I think Nicole shone a light on that this week with a few 
uh, volunteers and whatnot being um, abused or harassed or, or physically, even physically assaulted. Did you see what happened to my volunteer in the news? I didn't actually. But oh, we're okay. About it. Yeah, Sorry, great. I didn't, I didn't see it, but uh, but yeah, go ahead. Oh, tell okay, now, yeah. Uh, okay, so yesterday it came out in the media. Uh, was Wednesday night. One of my volunteers, uh, an older man, was uh, basically allegedly. I've got to use that because we uh, still have a police situation happening. But uh, my volunteer was allegedly uh, bashed up by three young youths, or they're in their 20s actually, let's be frank, uh, in the Blue Mountains in front of his wife and his 12-year-old daughter. Uh, So he caught them um, removing my signage from someone's yard and sort of said, hey, what's going on? And that was the result. Uh, One of those individuals has been charged and has a court date set. So thank you to the Blue Mountains Police for acting really fast on that. But that shows... It's an escalation of what's been really brewing here under the surface for quite a few months. And in fact, it's been almost three years of uh, those opposed to me trying to get me out of the way and not be the Liberal candidate. It's been three years of relentless personal attacks uh, on me and on my family. Uh, Labor and Greens have been abusing parliamentary privilege in state parliament upper and lower house to try and destroy my character and reputation. And I feel like, you know, one of those toys that kids have and it's got the sand at the bottom and you can just, you sort of push it over and it keeps bouncing back up. And I sometimes, you know, all the stuff they've done and I, I think they think, you know, why does she keep getting back up? But I'll just keep getting back up because... You know, you can't win an election based on lies and that's what they're trying to do right now. Lies against me and also lies on a national policy scale. I mean, Labor have a lot to be ashamed of. Yeah. And I think when it comes to, you know, the harassment that we've seen like that and the actual physical violence, it is coming from the left and that's just a fact. Like if you look across the board and not just in Australia but in the US and and it seems that violence is brewing within the left side of politics more than the right side. Well, it's hypocritical. It's hypocritical as well because the left try and run a narrative of tolerance and acceptance of diversity and that everyone's equal and we should accept people for who they are. Uh, And there really is a a caveat on that. They accept people people for who they are except if they have a right-leaning political view and then it's all out war and there's no rules that apply. And I have found that shamefully, is happening here in Macquarie. Yeah. Um, going into this election, what what do you think are the biggest issues <coughs> for, <clears throat> I guess, the Macquarie electorate, but overall for Australia as well? Yeah, sure. And that's something that a lot of people say to me in the street. And while we've touched on that negativity, uh, Matt, let's leave the negativity there because a lot of my campaign has been about the positive. And I've done that deliberately because I think what people have been through in the last few years, they're tired and they're exhausted and they are sick of the bickering. And they want to see someone who has a positive vision out there. So back to your question, that kind of relates, I guess, in a federal election to two things. You have your local issues, which as a candidate and as a member of this community, you want to deliver because they're issues that matter. But yes, being a federal election, you've got the big over overarching national policy issues that are super important. So uh, as a candidate, uh, there were a few deliverables in the last election three years ago, which are up and running in the community, which is great, a headspace in Katoomba. Um, Of course, the $200 million delivered for the third crossing of the Hawkesbury River, which has now doubled to be a half a billion dollar infrastructure investment, which I'll be forever proud of. Uh, Road safety is a huge thing for me as well through 
personal tragedy uh, within my family on, on the roads. But, uh, you know, we've also suffered a lot of road damage through natural disaster and announced an $11.2 million roads package just a few days ago for the Hawkesbury which is a really good outcome, which uh, Labor matched a couple of days later locally. I mean, hashtag who's setting the agenda, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's very... We've done that a few times, haven't Very, they? very yeah. obvious. I mean, if you have... If you really are connected properly to your local community, you know what they need and you come up with your own initiatives. So I find that fascinating. But, yes, then you've got the more national issues. So a lot of conversations out on the street or at pre-poll, because we've had a week of pre-poll, are dominating that. And that is, of course, uh, national security. We are in globally uncertain times. And to me, as a Liberal candidate, there is only one party or the coalition who will continue to support and prioritise our national security. Uh, If you have the Labor Party elected, the way the sort of numbers play out with seats and what they need to gain power on their own or what they need to gain a minority government in alliance with other parties, they're going to have to rely on support of the Greens. Uh, one of the Greens' main federal platforms is to defund the military or to decrease military and defence spending. Um, sorry, what? Uh, hello, we're in 2022. We have real credible threats around our country we have a coalition government who's making um, great international deals with especially like AUKUS with the UK and the US uh, to make sure we're safe. I mean, a government's, federal government's number one priority is to keep its citizens safe. And that amounts, of course, as well uh, to, um, you know, tight borders, which the coalition does and does well. Um, so I'm very vocal saying that to people looking at national security and defence. If, the Labor, if Labor get into power and they're in coalition with the Greens and the Greens wanted to fund the military, are we even safe? Yeah. No, we're not. Uh, these are decisions that people need to be thinking about when they cast their vote. Yeah. <clears throat> 100% agree with that. Um, obviously, you know, you look, you just have to look at Europe and some countries that had weak borders over there and you saw what happened through there with terrorism on their home soil and, you know... Um, it, yeah, it spread like wildfire through through Europe for a while there before, you know, COVID happened and some of the world got shut down. Um, but <clears throat> the cost of living yes. um, I want to touch on, um, that's important to me, this this election. Um, I think it's important to, to most people, um, unless you're Richie Rich. <laughs> Which none of us are, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. Um, one thing I did want to talk to you about, um, and, you know, you made or may not be able to answer this, but we saw the fuel excise cut, which was great. Um, I'm a diesel driver now. Um, Diesel's through the roof. Okay. Um, I just want to know if there's any plan in place to sort of have a bit of relief for for people who drive diesel since a lot of our delivery trucks and, and, well, all delivery trucks basically are are diesel operated and um, that's what's what's getting us all our goods and services. So, yeah. I don't think there's anything on the agenda at this point other than the fuel excise, which was six months from the budget uh, time. Um, Please correct me if I'm wrong, but in my previous life where I understood and was running things about diesel vehicles, there was a, you'd get some back every time you put your baz in. You'd get a bit of, um, you had to calculate your litres. Not sure if that's still the case. Pretty sure it is though. Okay. Um, you get a, get money back, but that's if you're running a business and you're putting it through a baz. Um, but look, it's something hopefully if I'm elected in, what is it, six days times now and we have a coalition government, I can take that 
to the table. And that's one of the beautiful things about my job or hopefully potential job, uh, being able to advocate those sorts of issues when you bring them to my attention. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I guess well, we can talk more about cost of living. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, it's, yeah, it's we'll a huge, touch on, yeah. <clears throat> huge, huge thing. It is. And we've seen it sort of, you know, we got through COVID and, you know, we sort of started seeing impacts, you know, mm. of the later part of of 2021 sort of going into, into the new year. Um, and now it's sort of through the roof, mm. uh, a lot of the... Um, so I guess a lot of, yeah, a lot of people, obviously, in my opinion, and I'll, I'll be frank with this, is that if, if Labor are elected... Um, the cost of living is going to go up. It will go up. It will go. It always has, though. Yeah. And you have, uh, you know, inflation has gone up now. We all know that. And that that's what, you know, it's contributing to the cost of living pressure. Uh, but you also have an opposition leader who right now just doesn't get it. He does not get it. Uh, came out last week saying that he would increase wages by, by 5.1%. Well, that may all be well and good for the public sector, where the government is the employer, uh, and the government... Uh, does that increase? But again, that's still the taxpayer paying, right? So that means your taxes will probably go up. But let's think about the impact on small businesses. If a small business has 10 or less than 10 employees and they're really running tight because they've been through all these things like COVID and they all of a sudden have to put their employee, every one of those employees' wages up by 5.1%, which then has an increase on their superannuation as well. Therefore, either the cost of the goods or services of that business have to go up to cover it or the uh, employer has to let people go because they just can't cover those extra costs. What happens then? You have more people unemployed. What happens then? The employment rate, unemployment rate goes up. It's a mess. I think Anthony Albanese has no idea how to run a country. Uh, he's had a sheltered life uh, of politics nearly his entire life. I think people who go into politics really do need real-world experience before they get in there. Uh, and... I think he would be detrimentally dangerous to our entire country. Now, the other way to look at that as well is here in Macquarie, we have, and I'm happy to be corrected, but it's about 30 to $40 million worth of commitments by the Labor candidate. You know, if an Albanese government gets elected, then we will promise ABC. 30 to $40 million worth of commitments. We are already in debt as a nation. That's understandable from a pandemic response, which by and large, the country has been happy with. Uh, the coalition government paid people to stay at home to keep them alive, essentially, right? Uh, so you have all these promises <clears throat> committed in this seat of Macquarie. You now times that by 151 seats across the country that the Labor are making commitments in. You tell me who's paying for that. Yeah. They are uncosted. They are pulling figures out of the sky. And if they get into government, they now then need to sit there with the spreadsheet and go, where are we getting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars from to pay for all these promises. They're getting it out of your hip pocket. Yeah. And, and I've watched, I've watched all three debates with the leaders. Um, and it's just, it's crazy to me that he's even in the position he's in, to be honest. Um, totally my opinion. Don't have to, I want to make that clear. Um, but he's just got no idea. No idea. Like I'll look at, you know, I don't agree with Scott Morrison on everything either. Um, but I'll look at Scott and I'll look at Albanese and it's just with their worlds apart in terms of they, he knows what he's talking about Morrison. He, he has, he, he has all these figures there. Yeah. 
he's ready to go. Like He's very across the detail. Yeah, and the fact they said Albanese won any of the debates is, is laughable to me. Well, um, I was trying to participate. <clears throat> we had four devices in my household on the Channel 9 debate, you know, obviously voting for Scotty, and not one of those four devices could connect to the system. Uh, and then I saw online... Uh, thousands of comments of people saying they were trying to do the same thing and couldn't connect. So I don't think those results are reflective yeah, no, <laughs> of society. Yeah. Uh, so you take that with a grain of salt. I, and you've got to take all the polls currently with a grain of salt because look how wrong they were in 2019. Exactly. And you I can't mean, polls listen. across the border are wrong. Look at, look at Trump in 2016. You know, he had no chance at all and <laughs> he killed Hillary. So. I think the, uh, the media uh, love buying into the hype of uh, building an expectation uh, and then seeing what will happen, whether that expectation will fall or this underdog will rise up. I think they like building that narrative, but it's just not a reflection of what's happening on the ground in seats. It's just not. Yeah. And Morrison obviously talked about the quiet Australian in uh, 2019 when he won. That was his big sort of – his speech was based yeah. on that. Um and that's what I think is a good, important point to make when it comes to these polls and that is that a lot of the opinion is it's not recorded. Yes. It's not recorded until the day you go and vote. And that's, <clears throat> in my, that's how it should be. You know? That's how it should be. Yeah. The quiet Australians don't like to pop their head up and say, yell out about who they're voting for. And I find that here every day in Macquarie, especially the last week of pre-poll, and that goes back to the first thing we were talking about, which is the negativity um, and nastiness that's coming out in some people. So even at pre-poll this week, I found a couple of funny and interesting things happening. So someone, a Liberal supporter, will either come in and they'll take nothing off everybody, but they'll come out and wink at me and go, you got my vote, like whisper it on the way out. Or they'll take one of everything and they'll come out again and say the same thing and cross their fingers at me and, you know, fingers crossed. So... They are the quiet Australians. And two things, they don't want to pop their head up and scream and shout, but they also don't want to uh, be a victim of the vilification that's happening if you support the LNP. They're too scared about it. And that is something that the Greens and Labor supporters must admit and own and address. They are vilifying uh, you know, members of or supporters of the Liberal Party. I know it goes both ways. I'm not being foolish about it, but by and large it's it's greatly in the other yeah, other camp and um, it's got to stop because I've had small businesses here in this election who I've taken a minister to. It's been in the media as well. It's been reported widely. widely. Uh, they have put up a picture of us. They've been inundated with threats to boycott their business, create Facebook pages to destroy their business, throwing bricks through their window. I will burn your business down if you don't take that photo of Sarah and this minister off your Facebook page. I will burn your business down. Who says that? Yeah. And guess what? I've seen them in red T-shirts. Yep. And it was um, there was a gentleman I forget his name posted on Shop Small. Um, oh yeah, I know who he is, but we won't. Yeah, we don't need to say expose. his name or that. No. Yeah. Um, but just to show his support, <laughs> I thought that was um, with everything that you know that you just talked about for him to do that on such a public platform. And and it's funny, it's that <laughs> I look at Shop Small and I just find it hilarious when people don't know who the admin is, <laughs> they don't know it's you, and they that will was talk. Pretty they funny. Will literally talk so much crap about you yeah. on there. 
And then people will be like, you know who runs the page, right? Do you know who the admin is? It's like next, penny next, drops. And the next comment will be from you. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> you know what? I When I first got elected to Hawkesbury Council five and a half years ago, I was just, I towed the line in terms of behaviour and, oh, I must be always, oh, don't say that, Sarah. Don't bite back or don't don't call that out. Just just be nice. Uh, I think after five, I'm always nice, don't get me wrong. Uh, after five and a half years, though, I'm very happy just to call a spade a spade. So yeah. if I'm seeing pretty poor, um, you know, comments or something like that on online, I will just go back at it. But to be honest, in the last few weeks with this election, I've actually... Uh, withdrawn myself from uh, Facebook and online activity quite a bit, obviously looking at my own page and monitoring that, but I'm not looking at those um, really negative Facebook groups that are out there who just spin rubbish every single day. And it's actually been the best thing I could ever have done uh, in trying to maintain a positive outlook and a positive campaign. It has really made me so consciously aware that this microcosm of small-minded people who engage in this behaviour every day really don't control the narrative. They don't control the conversation. They are just an echo chamber. Yeah. Yeah. And they and they are just screaming to each other basically um, to make themselves feel better. They are. Um, and that is a issue with social media, I guess, is that it it's become this. People have this self-importance. On there, that they, they certainly, think. yeah. Do. Not that their opinion doesn't matter. I'm not going to say that. No, it does but matter. That they think, but they think that their opinion is like the be all and end all. You know that they are. You know, my opinion is correct. And, but their opinion does matter. It's how yeah. they express it. Yeah, and exactly. I've been very, very clear about that. It's how you express it. You can go out there and you say, "I don't like the Liberal Party." Well done. You've had your say. But you can't go out there and make up a whole range of lies about the Liberal Party uh, to the point where you've written this essay of just nastiness and you think that's going to change someone's vote. I think what people, this echo chamber, need to realise, they're actually not changing anyone's vote. They're actually probably turning the vote against them. Yeah. And that was reflective in the uh, Hawkesbury Council elections we had in December where there was a really terrible campaign leading up to that uh, about me and the Liberal ticket and we increased our vote um, really positively. So I think while they think it's great and they're affecting the outcome, they're actually creating an outcome in reverse. So they're not doing themselves any favours. And it, and it often happens, you know, a climate change pro- protester will go and glue themselves to a road and hold up traffic. <clears throat> no one stuck in that traffic is going to go... On you, mate. Not one person. Not one. Not one person. Even if you, you know, are all for climate change action and whatnot, if you're stuck in traffic trying to get to work, that's not going to make you happy. It's not. <laughs> it's know? not going to get your point proven. Yeah. No. Um, I did want to talk about, um, obviously, there's been quite a lot of chatter about minor parties, um, for want of a better word, freedom parties. Sure. Um, they like to label themselves. Um, so within the Hawkesbury who's running, uh, it's the Lib Dems. Um, we've got United Australia Party and we've got One Nation. Um, and one more. And I'm up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. What does that's It is Informed Medical Options Party. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not a big one. So <laughs> but basically, if you look at 2019 election, there were only five candidates, right? So two that sort of sat... I guess for want of a better description, on the right side and three on the left. We have eight candidates this time, or eight parties represented, uh, five that sit 
well, I guess a couple of them, I don't know where they may sit, but for all intents and purposes, um, they're preferencing me over Labor. And then you've got the three, same three from last time sitting on the other side, which is Labor, Greens and Animal Justice. So, but the others are preferencing me over Labor. Yeah. And, and I think that is the consensus. A lot of people I know who uh, are going to vote minor parties this year, um, whether they've voted major parties before or or not, um, they they tend to all have the same opinion, which is Greens last. <laughs> and it's, and it's Always and, my and opinion. It's, and it's like if, if they're going to vote the majors last, I think you're, you're, you're still above them. I'm still above yeah. Labor and the Greens, one would hope. Yeah. And that's the thing about uh, the federal election system. It's compulsory preferential. So in a state election where you can just put a one in who you want and walk out, uh, with the federal, you have to number every box or yeah. your vote is invalid. So you have to put someone somewhere. Yeah. So uh, you've got to, when it comes down to the majors, uh, Liberal and Labor, and then, of course, the Greens, they've got to be put somewhere in some order. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with the, with I guess, you know, I mean, <coughs> you take polls with a grain of salt, but there's definitely been a, a rise in, in support of, of minor parties and a move away from major parties, um, whether they feel disenfranchised, whether they think... There's corruption in major parties, whether it's on the left or the right, whatever it may be. Is that something you're concerned about moving forward, both with this election and moving forward as a country? Not too concerned in this seat, in this election. I am pretty confident it will come down to Liberal or Labor in this seat because of compulsory preferential. Uh, So I have spoken to the other candidates and... Uh, was, you know, I have nothing to do with how they preference uh, their other parties, but was pleased that they decided to preference me above Labor uh, and the Greens. But look, on a national level, I think we'll have to see how it goes because, yeah, the narrative out there is that people are having a protest vote through the minor parties. What has traditionally happened is a lot of that vote is expressed in the Senate rather than the House of Reps where government is formed. So, I still think in my discussions with people at the end of the day, with government being formed in the lower house, you're still going to have a majority Liberal or Labor, okay? So you kind of, in some way, as I said, with compulsory preferential, even if you're voting minor parties to start with, you've got to park your vote somewhere that it's going to flow to. Yeah. So you've got to think about who do you really want to form government most, Liberal or Labor, obviously, I would very convincingly say the coalition. So, but yeah, there is a bit of, I think always has been a bit of protest vote in the Senate. So. I guess with, uh, you just made a point then, um, you know, that your vote's going to flow to somewhere anyway. Now let's just say, look, it's not going to happen. Um, just realistically speaking. Um, but if everyone say 58% of people in the Macquarie electorate put United Australia party as their first preference, they would win that seat. Mm Mm-hmm. And because I've got the majority. Correct. Right? Um, and if that happened in 76 or more seats across the board, then Craig Kelly would be the Prime Minister. I guess that's how it would show. play out. Yeah. I just wanted to make that point <coughs> clear because I think it is important to know just for for everyone that you do have a choice of who you, who you want. Um, and a lot of people don't know that. They really – and I, I'm not saying anything against Liberal or, or Labor or, or the Greens or anything, but – a lot of people do think that it is just a two-horse race and I think sometimes it's, yeah, 
it is it's it's definitely put out like that. I mean, look at the the leaders debate is between the the two and and it's going to and it's probably going to go that way. Let's be real. But yeah, I think it is important to remember <coughs> we do live in a democracy. Yeah. Absolutely. That's why we have uh, a whole swag of parties being able to register themselves and put up candidates. That's the whole point. Yeah. Yeah. Um awesome. Now, I did want to ask you a question. Now, you probably I don't know if you're concerned at all or not. You drew number eight on the ballot. Um, are you at all concerned about that? Not at all concerned, or at least trying not to be. Uh, three years ago, I drew number one, so I was the top of the pile. This time, I'm number eight, so I'm the you know the last one. It's kind of like two elections, and I'm the bread, and the you know the sandwich is in between. <coughs> but no, I'm not concerned. I think down the bottom gives me a bit of space as well. I'm not um, blocked between any other names. It's as the eye, I guess, falls down the list, it ends at the end and that that's the last name you're going to see. But I also think we've got to give a lot of credit to our, you know, to voters. They know what they're doing by and large and they know what to look for. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure of the statistics, but there would be a, a number of people out there who do a donkey vote um, that don't care, they're just not interested in politics and they'll vote one to eight <coughs> of the order they're in. Um, obviously, to whoever did that in 2019... You got the number one vote. Well, there was also there's also reverse donkey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So people yeah. vote one day up, but uh, in asking all my scrutineers last time because the seat was counted twice, did they see a lot of that? The answer is no. Yeah. They just didn't. What they saw way too much of, which is actually a contributing factor that could have really cost me the seat is people putting a one in Sarah Richards and not filling in the rest of the boxes because they had just come off a state election where you only had to put a one. Uh, so voter, I guess, education is important to let... Because a lot of people, they know how to vote, but they don't understand there's different rules with different levels of government. So um, one of the most important things I'm telling people this election is to number every box. <coughs> Do you think the paper... This is sort of an off-the-cuff question, but I was just thinking about... Um, <coughs> just about that sort of setup and that you have to number one to eight, otherwise your vote's invalid. Do you reckon if it was an electronic system instead that would stop a lot of that happening or do you reckon there's more problems that come up from having an electronic system? I think with an electronic voting system, people are wary of their vote being followed and being known. Uh, I'm okay with the idea of an electronic registration system. So <clears throat> when you walk in the door, you show your ID and then there's a computer program where you're marked off as coming in to vote. And that's centralised across your, or across the country it would have to be. <coughs> Sorry, Matt. That's so you okay. can't then go into a second polling booth and vote again. If you tried, they'd put your name in and, you know, big red cross would come up. You have already voted, right? But your vote is still on a piece of paper. I think that would, to me, that would be a great way to get rid of people voting multiple times and it would eliminate a lot of that, you know, voter fraud out there. Yeah. Um, do you think there is voter fraud within this country at all? Not by and large, but I do think, I mean, I have seen, I have physically seen the same person come in and vote twice um, during pre-poll, you know. What, what can you do? So yeah. you, you hope the system's strong enough to, to eliminate that. Yeah, I don't think it would happen on that bigger scale. It's not. But, but I know, still think, <clears throat> like, well, it can make a difference here. here. Yeah, it can make a difference when here. It comes so down to a recount of votes or, or whatever. That's why I'm. Yeah. yeah, I think you know it was a disappointment that voter ID laws didn't get through. I mean, we have to show ID to do anything these days, 
and voting is one of our biggest privileges and rights, you know. So why not show your ID when you turn up to a polling booth and verify who you are? I think if anyone's afraid of doing that, then that's a really big question mark. Why are you afraid of saying who you are and showing who you are? So um, I would be definitely advocating for those laws if I was ever elected to parliament. Um, But, yeah, I I don't have a problem either with electronic registration that you've turned up. Yeah. Um, I I do want to talk (coughs) a little bit um, about sort of... um, I guess the question is why, to people out there who are still undecided, um, and <coughs> there would be a few of them, um, why should people vote Liberal over Labor? <laughs> Common sense. <laughs> the fact that I have, you know, I think we have a great set of values out there. Um, I've said this plenty of times before where the Liberal Party gives you a hand up and the Labor Party gives you a hand out. The difference between the Liberal Party wanting little government involved in your life, you know, we're not your mother or your father, we, we're the government, it's the government, you, we don't have to control everything you do or every decision you make, um, but try and give you the tools to create a good life for yourself and the incentives to do that and run a good economy and have a low tax rate. Whereas the Labor Party has always traditionally been about big government, um, <clears throat> as much involvement in your life as they possibly can. Because, you know, if you need the government and they're controlling all these uh, facets of your life, then you must keep voting them back in because they're so controlling. And that's that that difference between a hand up and a hand out. And I say that to people all the time. If you want uh, the two parties, the difference to be summarised in one sentence, that's it. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, that sort of goes across the board with with the right and the left, doesn't it? Um, (coughs) In terms, you know, there's... A handout is not going to get you anywhere. All it's going to do is put us further in, into debt. And and who's going to pay for all these handouts? Well, it's that, nothing's for free. Yeah, nothing's for free. <clears throat> and that's what I think is funny when they say free education and free this and free that. You go, nothing is free. The taxpayer still has to pay for it in some way, shape or form. Um, they'd have to basically, you know, steal from Peter to give to Paul. That, yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. Um, one issue that I'd like to talk to you about, um, and just to get your opinion on, um, is the welfare system in this country. Um, in my opinion, I think there's a lot of wasted dollars there, a lot of wasted taxpayer dollars. Um, it'd obviously be worse under labor. Let's be frank. Um, but I know people who are say on, (coughs) on, uh, job seeker and that who, are not actively seeking work. Okay. Um, and I just want to know your opinion on to bring in, I guess, tougher laws. Um, <coughs> also, another thing is they get money put into their account, right, through through Centrelink. Should there – do you support, um, I guess, a cashless, you know, a card system for, for welfare recipients at all so they can't spend it on things like gambling um, – and, you know, put it through sports bed or... or I'll keep the jury out on that one. I know the government's trialling it in certain areas. Um, It will be interesting to see the um, results of that. What I have found appalling in this election campaign is Labor lying again that the government wants to bring that in for pensioners. That is just a disgusting and disgraceful abuse 
um, of their power. I've had so many people or pensioners contact me panicking that if they vote Liberal, <clears throat> they're going to be put onto a a card. Uh, we've had the minister come out expressly in multiple media statements saying this is not happening, this is not our intention. Uh, and the Labor Party have uh, blasted it all over Facebook. They've sent uh, ma- mail out to people's letterboxes saying this, literally scaring people. It's it's the same as Medi-Scare over the last couple of elections, particularly 2016, where that Medi-Scare campaign was so horrific. People thought Medicare was going to be taken out the next day if the coalition stayed in government. Downright lies, like lies. Uh, and they then stand there with all the uh, dignity and authority that they are the party of principle. It, it's mind-blowing. Yeah. Yeah. And and they are protected by parliamentary privilege to do that, are they? <clears throat> uh, so, if they say it in parliament, but they're actually out there in the community doing it. So can they be... Could the Liberal Party go... We're going to sue you for that. Oh, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> but it doesn't happen. But, <coughs> the liber- it, yeah. you know, I think that's I think that's an important issue to address because I know they don't come under spare mail laws, you know, when it comes to election time. Um, so they can send you anything in the mail as much as Look, you... Look, they'll find a loophole to say, oh, we based this sentence on this sentence said back in, you know, six, seven yeah, years ago or something. Like they'll, they'll find a way it. to say it, but it really is a manipulation of the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I think we've definitely, <laughs> definitely seen that on a whole other level this election with, with Labor. And it's, it's because they're so, you know, in my opinion, they're, they're so low on their own policy. They don't have an idea. Well, they haven't given us any attack. policies. It's easier for them to attack rather than actually come up with an idea. And that's another thing I really saw in the debate was they don't have a plan. There's no plan. Like, there's no big idea. And I think that's really missing. It's been missing for a while from, you know, say, like, you know, back in the day, some big, you know, leaders, like, that change things, major changes in the country. And I don't think we've seen that to a whole nother level, you know, since then. Um you know, whether it was Medicare being brought in or things like that. I know what you're saying, something that's uh, a visionary. Visionary, Uh, yes. When I talk about those kinds of things, I call something to the scale of a Sydney Harbour Bridge. You know, like back in the day, as if they thought the country would ever need eight lanes of traffic, you know, but they did. They thought they, they, they hoped and prayed that it would become a city and there would be a need for that, and they built that then, you know. So when I talk about big vision projects that have the ability to change a country, I say, oh, like a Sydney Harbour Bridge, you know, that's what I use to explain that. But you're right, um, we need we need something like that. Um, I've been disappointed in the Labor Party policy that, well, actually void of policy. The fact that, you know, I'm trying not to focus on the negative, but I think in this last week it's important to say to voters the fact that they have a leader who can't articulate his own policy, and we are all human beings and we all get things wrong all the time. That's part of it. But when a man is trying to be the leader of over 25 million people, you kind of need to know your own policy, the one you've signed off on, you know. 100%. <laughs> and I don't so, think there's any excuse. There's you none. Know, I got into a bit of a Facebook argument with some guy <laughs> and I said it's like a chef, you know, in a – you ask what's in that, what's what's in the meal that you're cooking, and he has no idea. Yeah, 
you know, that's an issue. That's basically the same. And then he wrote back, well, chefs, that's why they use cookbooks. I said, mate, when they're under the pump in the kitchen, they're not checking a book. Mate. They're not they're checking going, a book. They know what to do, <laughs> you know, and he's under the pump in the kitchen right now, a political kitchen. That's a really good, know. yeah, analogy. Yeah, I thought it was a great analogy. Yeah. Lefty didn't, but that's all right. <laughs> of course not. Um, <laughs> but, um, <coughs> but yeah, and I, I think I think that's what, you know, if it, if people are undecided, I think that's the big sort of um, point to take away is... I think so. And very quickly in the campaign, he showed he wasn't across his brief uh, and he couldn't do the detail. And then, of course, he can't articulate his own policy. Uh, he also gets very agitated under pressure. And, you know, he might be a very good local MP, as many people are local, you know, really good local MPs, but it doesn't mean they're prime ministerial material. Yeah. So, And, you know, people will say what they want to say about Scott Morrison and that's fine, but you can't put any doubt on his determination to get us through some of the toughest times. I mean, imagine being him and having that responsibility on your shoulders. A global pandemic where no one knew what was going to happen, no one knew what COVID was or what it would do to us or... You know, if we were just going to be having people losing their lives everywhere, no one knew. Uh, and he was the man that everybody looked to to see what was next, what's next, what's next. That responsibility was on him and that's a huge amount of pressure. Yeah. yeah. Um, sort of touching on that and and um, I guess no <coughs> way being negative um, about it, but... In terms of voters um, who've been Liberal voters their their whole life and say, especially in our area, which was affected by the bushfires, do you think the whole Hawaii situation will still have an effect now or do you think too much time has passed? It's just not an issue I'm hearing. I can tell you with all sincerity, after six days of pre-poll last week, I have not had one person come up to me and say that. Do you know I have not even had in that six days of pre-poll one person come up with a negative comment on Scott. I mean, I was, like, expecting that. And, you know, I have the utmost respect for him. I think he's a, he's a wonderful leader. Uh, the first negative comment I got was today uh, when I was up in the mountains doing a street stall. But that was one. Last week, nothing. Nothing. I think that... People have realised that even apart from Scott Morrison or Anthony Albanese, it is about what the Liberal Party stands for and will promise for this country compared to Labor and people are scared under a Labor government. And I think when it gets to that pointy time of an election where they're really casting their vote, they're thinking about their future and their kids' future and how much money they'll have in the bank and the opportunity that they'll have and whether that local road will get fixed... They're thinking about those things. They're no under labour. They'll just be paying more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess we'll uh, we'll sort of wrap up um, now and I th um, I'll let you address the, the Macquarie electorate of why they Thank should vote you. for you. Um, yes. And, um, <clears throat> and yeah, take it Thank away. you. And may I apologise for losing my voice. As I said, I've been standing since the Hawkesbury show nine days straight outside for hours all day talking to people about their vote and what it means to them. Uh, you know, three years ago, just missed out, uh, just by, you know, a whisker. And so in my mind, I knew that half of the electorate still did vote for me. You know, they still did want me. So I thought, you know what, Sarah, it's time to, to it's, keep stepping up. Just keep stepping up. Uh, it doesn't matter that it's, you know, not 
quite your job or you're not getting paid for it, it doesn't matter. Just keep stepping up uh, and showing the community that you're here and that you care, um, which, you know, you touched on Shop Small, there was Back to Bilpin, a whole range of initiatives that made a difference to small business and to people's lives. And um, I've had people cry on my shoulder. It kept their business going, those platforms. And that's so humbling um, to hear that. I guess through my advocacy as a Liberal, the ability to reach out to ministers and say, hey, my community needs a, a road here. My community needs a headspace in the Hawkesbury. And, you know, just little old me who grew up here and to me I'm just, you know, just Sarah. But to have my idea go to a minister of the government and they listen to it and they ring me back and say, yes, you know, we'll lock that funding in. It's just, it's a great part of the job. And then I know that will have an effect on so many people's lives in a positive way. And despite the abuse, despite the hard times, despite the attacks, um, as you can see, it puts a smile on my face because you can create outcomes for people. They might not even know it. They don't even need to know it, but you've changed their life. So that's what it's about. Awesome. And, um, and specifically, what can you promise the Hawkesbury if you are elected <coughs> on Saturday? Well, if anyone follows me on Facebook, they have seen all of the election commitments. There's a few that are locked in regardless of outcome because they were locked into the budget. That's the $5 million uh, Veterans Wellness Centre at Skyville. Veterans, everyone knows, is a big deal to me because of Dad um, and growing up on the base. And that's amazing. The Headspace money for the Hawkesbury is locked in. That's $4.4 million. And then... (coughs) It is. Then you've got other election commitments, the $11.2 million for the Hawkesbury Roads. Um, a million dollars locked in at Blacksland to refurb a uh, really old community centre into um, another facility for Dare Disability to to give disabled people in our community another space. Um, you've got $250,000 for the Cancer Wellness Centre up at Lura, which is an amazing facility helping people with cancer. Um, you know, some really important initiatives, oh, half, um, just over half a million dollars for the Blackheath neighbourhood area centre, um, which is coming out shortly. You've just got these things that really will have an impact on the ground. I mean, the third crossing, for example, um, that's broken into two stages, stage one and stage two. Stage one is the upgrade um, of the entire driftway. So that's a non-contentious part of the project. Everyone agrees on that being done. That's got planning approval and that's starting in a few months' time. You know, because I went to Canberra and knocked on a few ministers' doors and said, we need a bridge, which the bridge turned into an entire road network, you know. So that's exciting. That's what will be happening. If people elect me as their MP, I'll continue making sure those projects are delivered. I think the difference, and we've seen it with the Windsor Bridge uh, protest, is that uh, Labor will stand in the way and they will delay it. And our community can't stand any more delay. We just need to get on with the job of delivering. And I guess electing me as your MP means that will happen. Yeah, and build for tomorrow. That's it. That's it. <laughs> That's it. Um, awesome. And if you do win on Saturday, uh, can I get an interview with you? Uh, you could be one of the first. Awesome. How does that sound? That sounds perfect. <laughs> well, thank you very much for thank coming you. in. All the best. Thank um, you. And, yeah, congratulations <laughs> thank on, you. on coming this far. And, yeah, all the best for Saturday. And thanks for putting out with my croaky voice. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorry about the interruption. I usually don't edit anything, but um, we had to. So, yeah. yeah, all good. Remember, guys, speak free with Maddie G. Bye.